0: Uh so uh um, it's gonna require that you follow along. Let me say that. You're not gonna without the board, I don't have time to write anything. Without the board, uh there is no way uh um, you'll follow unless you read along with me. Am I uh am I coming around pretty good, Ben? Everything sounds good? Okay. Kids, you're dismissed. And here we go. Hit the button, big Dave. May the 19th, 2013, lecture discussion number 111, 111 on the Book of Romans, and uh, to begin with, uh, since Alaska has made the national news, uh, let me turn this, I'm feeding back a little bit, I figured a, a few comments would be appropriate um, because of that uh, for the vast internet audience that we have, um, and that's a joke, but anyway, uh, a- after the coldest April I remember, Um, it has snowed in Anchorage on May the 18th. Uh, Low overnight temperatures at my house were 24 degrees, Ken was telling me his house was even colder. Last night was very cold when I went out late at night to let the dogs out, there was accumulation of three to four inches at my house, Uh, it's not an anomaly, we've had weeks of cold now, Um, and so it's... It's just more colder out than I can ever remember. More snow at this time and and the cold and the mountains. We were just talking about it in the announcements. The mountains are bright white. They look like like February mountains out there. Needless to say, not very many happy people around here, Uh, especially in case you internet people were thinking about visiting. Uh, Not very many happy people, especially the gardeners, the motorcyclists, and the golfers. I I really love golfers in Alaska. That just makes me laugh. But they they try to be here. Once again, Alaska proves um, without any doubt that this is not a place for the fragile. This is a tough region. It's emotionally tough. It's dark, it's cold, and at times it's brutal. And that's just the month of May. So after this latest snowfall the moving companies will be making them some money. People are they're getting out of here. And it's really funny to listen to them. We're not going to deal with this and uh, and a lot of people are, are are going to run and they are running and just wait though when it snows in July that'll clear the rest of them out and it'll just be a few of us. Only the strong survive in a state where it snows for 10 months and rains for 2. I tell people 120 mile an hour winds are common here. I know I have to build roofs to take it. It's common. That's a what on the East Coast? That's a devastating hurricane. We get that every week through Bear Valley and Glen Alps. It's ridiculous. The people live up there like there's nothing, this is normal. But down on the East Coast, that would destroy a whole state. It's amazing. But uh, we get, like I said, snows for 10 months, rains for two, hundred and twenty mile 120-mile-an-hour winds, earthquakes, volcanoes, grizzlies chasing moose through neighborhoods, eagles flying overhead looking for toy poodles, and mosquitoes that kill caribou. And that's all true. All of it's true. I'm not making any of that up. That's what we got. It's not a place for sissies. It's not a place for crybabies. No retirement communities in, in Alaska with outdoor swimming pools. No air conditioning. That's not completely true. What we do for air conditioning is we open the windows to let the cold air in. That's our plan. That's the concept. Actually, I take that back. Christopher has an air conditioner. Uh, We turn it on, or he turns it on when the temperature climbs to 65 degrees because it's too hot to sleep. That's what we do with air conditioning. Okay. (laughs) Enough of that. On another note, for the Internet people, there will be no lecture uh, on May the 26th and June the 2nd. Uh, we will resume on June the 9th. So you'll see a break uh, for those of you who uh, follow along out there. Uh, Lori and I, as most of you know, need time to catch up on our projects, which are uh, winning as of now. And by winning, I mean collapsing on our little heads. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, and we're going to battle it here the next couple of weeks and see if we can at least get control of it. Uh, Now, for today, I'm going to have a little sojourn into 2 Kings chapter 2. Actually, a little bit of 1, but mostly chapter 2. The ascension of Elijah is what this is. It is the transfer of the mantle covering of Elijah uh, to Elisha. So I have this exchange, the search for the body of Elijah... The healing of the water in Jericho. The mocking of Elisha, which is the two female bears. That's what we're doing today. And I did a few letters on this regarding 2 Kings 2, mostly, not 2 Kings 1, which is too bad because that's where the mistakes is. There's a lot of common misconceptions abounding about 2 Kings 2, but that's not why I'm going to clean it up a little bit today. I'm doing it because it fits in. If you remember, we're in Romans 5.12. Uh, the the fact that through one man death and sin entered the world, and that fact proves the fact of the virgin birth, and that the virgin proof, birth proof. Birth, birth. I need more soda. The virgin birth proves the fact of the body resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is why there's your first hint. That is why we're in Second Kings two, trying to solve what we're trying to solve. The body resurrection of Jesus Christ, critical, critical doctrine. And of course, uh, put it another way, um, the continuity of germplasm proves that Adam uh, poisoned himself. And the physical death then came as a consequence to all men through his free will decision. That's the two trees in Genesis 3, Right. And free will is an attribute of existence which requires immortality and continuity of the soul. Uh, though the location of your immortality, if you will, your destination is another matter. Where you spend your existence is at risk. Uh, if it, your existence is not at risk, if that makes sense. Some people get mad at me. They say, you're not immortal. They don't consider um, um, your confinement in the lake of fire to be immortality. They see immortality as a as a good thing. It is not necessarily your destiny is the issue, and not your existence. Anyway, you have this relationship, I just did it again really fast, as long as you know it's there, between the continuity of germ plasm and the continuity of the soul. They feather into each other, you can get into one and back out and get into the other. In other words, you can get into uh Adam, the Uh, virgin birth, the resurrection of Christ, into free will, into existence, into immortality, into continuity of soul, and they all continue. They're circular, if you will. They just follow each other around, and there's this wonderful relationship in those two proofs. The proof of the continuity of germplasm and the implications of it, and the proof of the continuity of your soul, or the continued existence of it. Anyway, Adam's sin and subsequent death. Gives us the purpose of the virgin birth. You need to know uh, that's the, the the why and the how, and that cannot be the purpose of the virgin birth cannot be separated from the body resurrection of Christ. Uh, and you all know all of this already. This is kind of review. So now we go to Second Kings one and two, because of all of that information that I just gave you. Second Kings one and two is a prophecy. Um, as is all of the Old Testament. there's a picture, a portrait, a shadow, if you will, of Jesus Christ. It testifies of him some way somehow. Elijah and Elisha, Elijah and Elisha are generally agreed to be two halves to a whole. They are um, they represent two ad, the two advents or the two comings of Christ. Elijah, uh, is uh, known to bring fire judgment? so there you have the second advent of Christ, and elisha, his name means God my salvation. He's representative of the first coming of Christ. so I have judgment and salvation. Elijah and elisha are not in chronological order, but you can see them side by side and what they represent. You can find this incredible picture of Christ that is there with the two of them as you study. so we should start, and we're about to, any reading of Second Kings 2 with at least an understanding of the typology of Elijah and Elisha. And always, 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 always first find Jesus Christ on every page of the Old Testament. If you'll do that, if you'll read what, what we're going to read together here in a minute, a lot of reading today. Um, if you'll do that, you will find that it opens up for you and becomes apparent and isn't uh, isn't difficult in the sense that uh, you won't make mistakes. If you fail to find Christ first in the story in the Old Testament, you will fail to understand the passage, and you'll have some goofy idea that two bears came out of the woods and killed a bunch of children. That is indefensible and ridiculous on its face. By the way, is it the predominant view? Yeah. And then that once again, uh, illiteracy abounds in the church. Uh, I, I'll prove very quickly to you that that cannot be the case. Let me say again to keep any misconceptions. There are, these are actual literal events. And people, what I mean by that there really was Elijah, there really was an Elisha. there was all the people that are, that were involved in, the, in these chapters or were literal people they who did and said and spoke and saw what exactly what is written. It is a literal account just like you would transcribe it if you were sitting there watching it. Okay, But also, inside of it is a picture of God Himself, Jesus Christ Himself, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, the I Am. He's placed inside of it. The Holy Spirit inspired uh, somebody to record it, and hidden inside of it, if you will, is Christ Himself, God Himself, Creator God. The Bible is God-breathed, and it's about God. If you got that, you'll be okay, and the rest of it will come right to the surface for you. Now, to be thorough... I can't do Second Kings two without some of Second Kings one. Because I've got to establish the fifty men, the mantle of Elijah, uh this wonderful sentence, uh, because there is it because there is no God in Israel? That that's the theme of Second Kings one. Uh the if I am a man of God, and then the come down quickly, the three captains, there's all kinds of things that we have to do. And and let me say again, it is problematic. If not impossible, to try to solve the three or the two bears that come out of the woods of Second Kings two without a complete knowledge of Second Kings one. So that's what we got to do. That's why I'm not using the board today, because there's so much reading. You're not going to follow it with me reading it. You have to read it yourself. So get out your textbook. Pass out textbooks. You're not going to get it if you listen. You're going to have to, as I said, follow along. I have to get to it here. I'm a trained professional and I ended up in first kings instead of second kings. So, I'll give you time to get there and some of you get it on your phone, which makes me think you're really playing words with friends. You insist otherwise, and I believe you. (laughs) Okay. (coughs) So, I'll read it. And you have to follow along. By the way, lots of transcription or translation errors here. I love the old King James, as you know. Old King James makes a mistake. And that's a real shame. It doesn't take much research to see what what happened to them. And certainly, it doesn't take much when you see the context of uh, 2 Kings chapter 1. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go fast as I can read it, uh, but we have to read a lot. And Bill and I, by the way, Fast Bill, as you know, those of you on the Internet, you don't know. He was a principal here in the school system for many years. Um, uh, We know that we can solve the Detroit City school problem. I know it. I did it at Bartlett. I did it at the Career Center. I've done it at Grace Chris. I've done it everywhere I've gone. I can solve it. I can, I can raise the education level of every student I've ever had. I don't care if they're carrying a handgun. So am I. It doesn't worry me. This is Alaska. Uh, I was in the toughest schools with the toughest kids. And all I did was I read them physics. I made them read physics. I made them talk physics. I read them every day, just like a mom would do to her 3rd three-year-old. But I didn't read simple things to them. And I made them read it. And I made them explain it to each other. Constant reading every day. I got in trouble for that. I'm teaching physics. And they came in and they said, you're not doing any practical application. You're not doing any experiments. You're not building anything. I said, I had kids that can't read. And I'm going to teach them to read. And then we'll teach them physics. That's my plan. And I had to go in front of a, a hearing group that, um, that I was brought up uh, into a group, and, and my my methods were uh, questioned, and I had to go before a, an independent board, and I was exonerated for that. They looked at me and said, yeah, this is working. He's taking inner-city kids from Muldoon, and they're coming up here telling us about the sum of the voltage drops of the applied voltage. I'm sorry, the sum of the voltage drops in a... In a a circuit is equal to the applied voltage. And they're saying it in Kirchhoff's law, Ohm's law. They're, they understand microfarad capacitance. They understand everything. And it's now in their vocabulary. It still is to this day. Every now and then one of them will I'll run across. They're all 50 now. I'll run across one of them and they'll, they'll tell me. Every day I go around and I still remember all those terms and all those phrases. So I ingrained it in them. You can beat people to read. That's my plan. That's what I'm going to do now. Got to read it. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now, Azahiah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. You got it so far? Uh, A guy fell down and, and was Critically injured, and he wanted to ask the Baal Zabab. Okay, you both, you will hear it, of course, differently. But, but I can't say it, can I? I've said it this way so many times. But what is it? Help me. Yeah, but yeah, I can't say it. I, I'll let it go. It's funny. I just my brain locked up. But Baal is correct. The, whether I shall recover? So he wanted this pagan. Uh, uh, God that, of course, doesn't exist. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, now find Christ, the angel of the Lord should be capitalized in your Bible, It is that is Jesus Christ right there. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baalzebub or Baalzebub? The God of Ekron. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. So, a bunch of guys came down to, to inquire of Baal Baal's Instead, Christ himself, the angel of the Lord, tells Elijah, go down, intercept them, and tell them that you're dying. Is there no God in Israel? Now that's the theme. And when the messengers returned to the king, to him, he said to them, why have you come back? So they said to him, a man came up to meet us and said to him, go return to the king who sent to you and say to him, thus says the Lord. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Because you are looking for a word from Baal, you're going to die. Verse 7, then he said to them, what kind of man was it that came up to meet you and told you these words? So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. Now, a mistake is made here all the time. They assume that that is talking about the overall general appearance of the man with regard to his, um, I have hair coming out of my ears now. I have to cut it. Tried various devices, most of which didn't work. I've learned to cut my hair coming out of my ears now. I need highly sophisticated equipment. This is not talking about his hair growth. A hairy man with a leather belt around his waist. It's talking about something else. We'll get to it. So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, It is Elijah the Tishmite. This is bad news for me. I'm going to die. Verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him. In other words, the king sent a captain of 50 with his 50 men to go do what? To go find Elijah the Tishmite. Okay, And so he went up to him. The captain went and found him. And there he was, sitting on top of the hill. And the captain spoke to him. Okay, So you understand how it's going. Man of God, the king has said, come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him, and his fifty. Then the king sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty men. And the second captain said to him, "Man of God, thus the king has said, "Come down now, says quickly, I've interjected now. That's what Lori says to me, usually laps your hands. But it's the same. You get the gist. Come down now. Listen, I've always been fascinated by the second captain. First captain, he just know what he says. King says, go up there, find the guy, tell him to come down. And he gets blown up. Second, this is a small place, by the way. Everybody saw it. Everybody heard it. Everybody know. I now got a dead captain and 50 dead men. Second captain. I mean, imagine the job, right? And he adds, come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty, and his fifty. Again, the king sent a third captain of fifty with fifty men. And the third captain of fifty went up. He didn't say nothing. Yay, I love this guy, by the way. Went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said, Man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours. We're in, baby. We don't belong to the king. We belong to you. We're going to do what you say. Whatever that may be. Let me read it again fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, by the way, man of God is who? When you see man of God, that is an appellation, a name of Christ, right? God the man, right? God-man, the hypostatic union. Man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of fifties with their fifties. But let my life now be present in your sight. That is one of the smartest men in the Bible. Makes him one of the smartest men ever. And the angel of the Lord, that's Christ, right, said to Elijah, go down with him. Go down with this guy. Do not be afraid of him. Duh! <laughs> Elijah is not going to be afraid. He can blow people up with fire. Actually, that's another issue. We'll get to it. So he arose. Elijah arose and went down with him to the king. Then he said to him, "Thus says the Lord: Because you have sent messengers to inquire, uh, uh, let's see, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Baal Zebub, the k- god of Ekron." is it because there is no god in israel to inquire of his word that question gets asked over and over and over again right what's the answer to it is it because there is no god of israel yes or no see that uh, that's a very interesting question therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So, uh, the king died. All right? Okay. I read the whole thing. I was not going to do that. I was only going to read pieces, but yeah, I recognized almost immediately, as I always do, that I've got to read it all because it's necessary to establish the theme. The theme is, is it because there is no God in Israel? So answer that question. Is God in Israel or not? What, by the way, do they say today about that? If I asked a bunch of churches today, got a a board of pastors up here from all representative Anchorage, how many of you think God is uh, with Israel? We have replacement theology. They would say God has abandoned Israel. Has God ever abandoned Israel? See, that question, he's asking, is it because? Do you ask Baal Zebub because there is no God in Israel? Understanding that question is key. Very important. We won't get to it today, uh, but we'll get to it on the 9th of June. As is knowing that Elijah wore a garment. That hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist is describing his garment, not him. It's the mantle of Elijah. Also these three captains, very important, important to know. This is all going to come up again in chapter 2. That's why I've got to get it in for you. There's three groups of 50 soldiers. There's the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus Christ. God physically manifested. uh, Always find Christ. And the, the consuming fire comes down. Who caused the consuming fire to come down? The angel of the Lord. Jesus Christ. Right there. And then you have this come down. He tells... Elijah to come down. And then the next one says, come down quickly. And then Elijah is told by Christ to go down. And then Elisha tells the king, you will not come down. So we have this come down go down come down quickly not come down to re- to to deal with all of that is essential to solving second kings 2 i'm not going to solve it for you in second kings 1 but you should know it's an incredible prophecy of something um, but it's essential to solving second kings, kings 2 so try to remember it all while i while i uh whilst what did i write here While iced that's what i wrote what was I trying to write? Whilst, whilst I must have. Well, I uh, go on to Second Kings too. As an aside, like I said, you gotta love the third captain. He figured it out. He figured out who was there, and he figured out why the fire came down. And he wasn't about to say come down. He put the relationship. Two guys. One guy said come down. One guy said come down now. Both boom. I ain't saying it. Very smart. That's great theological understanding right there. Okay, we're going to take on chapter 2 now. One of the most difficult chapters in all of uh, the Bible. Of course, I say that about all of them because it's always true. Chapter 2, again, cannot be separated from what we just talked about in chapter 1. What happens in chapter 2 is dependent on chapter 1. The common mistake of readers and teachers with respect to 2 Kings 2 is that they ignore or disregard the foundation that is 2 Kings 1. 2 Kings 1 explains why Elisha does things in 2 Kings 2. The meanings, if you will. Okay? So here we go. I'm doing pretty good. I can take more soda. All this reading. There's very little difference between reading and talking. So I hope my voice makes it. Now we're 2 Kings 2 1 through 25, and here we go. And it came to pass when, ooh, that's a cool word, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha stay here please for the lord has sent me on to bethel but Elisha said as the lord lives and as your soul lives i will not leave you so they went down to bethel now remember these both of these men are types of christ in one form or another in their uh, in their lives God uses them both. So, what a wonderful thing to say to somebody who is in a Christ position, if you will, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Now, the sons of prophets okay, who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master? The Lord will take away Elijah." From over you today. Today's the day. I've always wondered what day this was. What days do I have to pick from? What day do you suppose it was that Elisha was taken? If we knew that, that might really give us an economic advantage. What we could do with our credit card balances. That's just my little joke. None of you laughed. Thank you. Probably won't make the recording. No one will think it's funny but me. But I'm interested in the time at which Elijah is taken. It's called the Ascension of Elijah. Now, some people will recognize it as being prophetic of the Ascension of Christ. And I don't disagree with that at all. Others will look at it and say that it is a picture of the rapture um, that may or may not be the case the first position is certainly the strongest we have evidence that christ will ascend on a particular day i know what day that was so it occurs to me that this day or what feast day for sure so it occurs to me or what whereabout it was in the feast days okay let's keep going do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And Elisha said, and I'm adding the Elishas and Elishas and all of the kings and, and the, that in order to keep it clear for you. And Elisha said, yes, I know. Keep silent. What's the obvious question there? Why would, who are they going to talk to? Why would they, why can't they say it? They said it to Elisha. Who does he want not to say it? Doesn't want them to say it to him. Doesn't want them to say it to Elijah. Doesn't want it to say it to each other. Doesn't want to tell anybody else. Who is he telling them to be quiet? To and why? Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. Okay? That's the second stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. So Bethel and Jericho. But Elisha says back, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. See the pattern now? Now the sons of prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? Yes, I know. Shut up. Okay, keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, that was your clue here, Stay here please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. So how many times does Elisha get told so far to stay here please? How many times does he listen? But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. This, by the way, should remind you of the conversation Christ has with Peter at the end of the book of John. So that will help you begin to wrestle with it. And fifty men, uh uh-oh, here we got fifty men again. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, the hairy belted covering that he had, rolled it up and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah says to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a, door, a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. What's the obvious question? I'll give something away here so you all stay awake. Hard for who? Yeah, it's for Elisha. It becomes hard, doesn't it? Elisha asked for something very hard to be given to him. Most people think he's asking for stuff. He's going to get some power. He's going to be like some comic book Marvel character hero. He's not. He's asking for a very difficult, a double portion of difficulty. If you study Elijah, he was a man that was tormented by Jezebel, right? Thought he was completely alone and miserable. Elisha is going to get two of that. Times two. You have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So, you got to see this happen. Now, What's that about? What's about to happen is very important. If you can't get this, you're not going to get the double portion. So, what's he going to do? He's going to give him a lesson, a doctrinal truth. And Elisha's got to have it. Got to have it. Okay? Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly... I wanted to know what they're talking about, by the way. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. That's Ezekiel 1.4, by the way. You can get a description of how this all works in Ezekiel 1.4. And Elisha saw it. That's important. Now he gets the double portion of what he's going to get, of hardness. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him. By the way, who's running the chariot? Who's sitting on the chair that's inside the chariot? That's the whirlwind. That's Christ himself in there, right? Ezekiel one four. My father, my father, the chariot, or the Shekinah glory, um, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces, two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. So he now has the garment with a leather belt. And went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elisha? I'm going to say to you, he screamed it out at the top of his lungs. He's asking a question. Does he know? He knows the answer to the question. So once again, why did somebody ask a question that he knew the answer to? While he is striking the water with the covering of Elijah? Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had, I'm sorry. And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. So the water of the Jordan heaped up. Remind you of anything? It should. Exodus 14. Now when the sons of prophets, of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. So they answered the question. That's the answer to the question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And they came to meet him and bowed to the, to the ground before him. Just like who in the other chapter? It's like the captain, the third captain, right? They said to him, look now there are fifty strong men with your servants. There's 50 men again. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Elisha says back to them, you shall not send anyone. But when they urged him, the word there for urging is almost a relentlessness to it, till he was ashamed. In other words, they made him ashamed. That's a very important word there. Don't misunderstand that. A hundred people out of a hundred people. Misunderstand it. Think the opposite of what you're thinking. Okay, ninety-nine out of a hundred. Almost everybody gets it wrong. Tell yourself, fight it. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore, they sent fifty men. How come that 50 keeps happening? Two chapters now. 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. It's going to keep happening. 50 men. By the way, I'll help you here. 50 young children? 50 little kids? No. 50 what? Military, soldiers, fighting men. Why does he need 50 men to fight? He said, there are 50 strong men with your servants. That's military force. Why does he need it? Somebody's coming after him, that's why. Where we have a war we're fighting, if you wish to think of it that way. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore all they sent fifty men and they searched for three days, but did not find him. That's very important. Who else uh, was uh, unfindable for three days? Three nights. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, did I not say to you, do not go? They disobeyed him. What are the consequences and what is it that they're, that, why did they disobey him? Who would disobey a guy that can heap up the Jordan River? They just watched if they bowed to them and then immediately after they bowed to him and said, God is with you, we're gonna not do what you say. Who thinks like that? Us. That's us. We're in the story right there. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice the situation of this city. Uh, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. What does this have to do with the other part? Everything. It's, it's absolutely obvious that after I have this search for the body of elijah that the next thing I have to do or the next thing I should deal with is the city the water is bad and the ground is barren it makes perfect sense it's a natural complete order it has to be there it makes total sense do not think they're unrelated if you do boom lack a lack lack of your trouble back you have to go think shoots and ladders back you go to first King's Or 2 Kings 1, and read that again. Please notice the situation of this city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad in the ground, barren. What's the solution to that? Well, here it is. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. Makes perfect sense. So they brought it to him, then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. Barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youth came from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and killed 42 of the youths. Let's just do a first question. How many were there? Total. Forty-two are dead. How many total? How many we start with? Fifty. Got to be 50, right? There's 50 of them. And what kind of people are they? They're soldiers, Just like the other 50s. And who do they work for? Who's the other group here? I have the sons of prophets versus, who else? Baal, Zibah. So I have two bears coming out and kill 42. What's the obvious question? I'm getting off my script here. Who knows what I'll say next. I'm scared I'm not going to get it in. What's the obvious question? What happened to the eight? Absolutely right. I got eight unaccounted for. What do we got here? We got bears that can't do their job? You us some new bears? What's the other obvious question? Send women to do a man's work. What do we got female bears for? That was a joke. Nobody laughed. Why do we have she bears? What's the point of that? What's he trying to say? Okay. I know it's a lot of reading today, I know it's a big pile of stuff, I know you barely made it, it's on the edge of impossible to get through, but all of it has to be sorted out and grasped in order to correctly solve the meaning of the two female bears. And that's what I'm trying to do. All of this today is just to get to these uh meanings of these two female bears, second Kings two twenty three through twenty four. And I hope I get to it. And I gotta solve the two female bears because of the continuity of germplasm in Romans five twelve. It makes obvious sense. Everybody's got it. I know you do. You sure sure so you and my mail will be fantastic this week. This is all about the virgin birth and the body resurrection of Christ and the continuity of the soul. It's all together. The two female bears are obviously what? They're obviously judgment just like what? Just like the fire in the previous chapter, right? I had two captains with their 50 men come out and say come down now. One said come down now, the other said come down. You will submit to my authority and he they both were consumed by fire. Uh, all the, the captains and the fifties were consumed. So, the the, others, the other, you bald head, go up, you bald head, as opposed to come down, right? And I got 42 out of those 50 killed by bears. So, what's going on here? Hopefully, you've begun to figure out the relationship between the bears and the consuming fire. Next, you need to make the obvious interconnections between the events of chapter 1 and the events of chapter 2 in order to correctly interpret what we have here, to progress through it, to see the prophecy and the truth, uh, I'm sorry, and the portraits that are of Jesus Christ. So let's review now the high points of chapter 2. Notice that these are the things that Elisha does and says. Okay, I'm just going to go through them really fast. He divides water. First, we, got, we go across the water, right? He crosses over the water. Then I have the whirlwind. Then he divides the water. Then he's ashamed. Then I have bad water and barren ground and I need a new bowl and I need salt. And then he's called, then he's told, go up you bald head and two bears come out and kill 42 out of 50 people. And and it seems inexplicable, but it's not. Their actions and statements seem impossible to figure out, but they're actually very very clear and in a in a wonderful order. Each and every one connects to that which is before and to that which is subsequent. Remind yourself, when you're reading it, say there's a cause and effect here. When I got this shame and this search, then I have this water problem. Those fit together. If you want to, one causes the other in a way. You have a cause and effect, but you certainly have an order. So ask yourself, how do they relate? Start looking at it. I've got the mantle, or what you call it, the garment with the leather belt. I have the water. I have the the, the search. I have the bowl and the and the salt, and I have the two bears. Okay. Ah, <sighs> gotta go fast. I'm going to reset it a little bit. I have this is how it starts. Elisha the Tishbite, Elisha from Gilgal. If you want to go back to 2 Kings 1, that's what I'm doing. Starting back there for you. That's not incidental information. The time has come, the day has come when the Lord would take Elisha and we would have his ascension. And they travel, the two of them, with this. Please stay here as the Lord lives. Then going back and forth, those exchanges. Stay here, please, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives. I will not leave you. And they travel to Bethel, and then they travel to Jer- Jericho, and then you have this exchanges between the sons of the prophets and Elijah. Do you know that today is the day? Essentially, I'm paraphrasing it. Yes, I know. Keep silent. Ask why. I got fifty men again. I have the mantle, the garment. I have the divided water. I have the crossing over under dry ground. That's word for word. Exodus fourteen sixteen through 22, which is the Red Sea, right? And the hard thing of, of the double portion. And you have to see me ascend. You have to see me, he says, or you won't get the hard thing. You've got to watch me go up. Critical. Why? Why this condition? Why is it so important? for Elisha to see him go up. And then I have the Ezekiel 1-4, chariot of fire, the whirlwind, the Exodus 14, a Shekinah glory, same thing, pillar of cloud, if you will, and then the separation of Elijah and Elisha, and the clothing tore into two pieces. He knows immediately he's got to take his garment off. Put a different garment on. And he strikes the water again. And he asked that question, where is the God of Elijah? Let's go back over that for a second. Why did he ask that question? For the sake of who? Who's he asking it for? For the people watching him, the sons of the prophet. What's the answer? Notice it's not, where is Elijah? He doesn't ask that. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And obviously, the God of Elijah is now with who? That's where he is. That's the answer. Where is the God of Elisha? With me. That's what he's saying. And he immediately proves it. He divides the Jordan River. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. Notice I said everybody. The news travels quickly. Elisha is gone. And Elisha has the garment. And he can do things with the garment. And God is now with Elisha. He Elijah is gone. The God of Israel, the God of Elijah is with Elisha. So it's important to recognize that you would be hard-pressed to find anyone, anyone for miles, hundreds of miles around, that hadn't heard of the whirlwind and the uh, ascension. And they didn't know about the great question, where is the God of Elijah? And now the search thing comes up i got 50 strong men again. And Elisha refuses them. They come to him and he says, no. They say, please let us go and search for Elijah." And he says, you shall not send anyone. Obviously, the 50 strong men did not understand why Elijah was taken and where he was taken to. They didn't know why and they didn't know where. They assumed that God had done what with the body? Threw it on top of a mountain or discarded it in a valley? How are they doing? They're horribly wrong. Make the connection to what in the New Testament? They're horribly wrong. God did not discard the body. He did not drop it on a mountain or dump it in a valley. He took the body. Make the New Testament connection. And Elisha says, you shall not, I'll put it this way, you shall not think like this. God did not discard the body. Don't think like this. It was important that Elisha, to get his double portion of hardness, had to see that the body went up. He knew the body went up and he knew God didn't discard it. These guys are saying we gotta hunt for the body. No, you can't think like that. Think like that is horribly wrong. I'm ashamed of you that you think like that. But they can't push you. Yeah, we gotta look. Yeah, we gotta look. Come on, come on, we gotta, okay, go look. You won't find the body, and I'm ashamed that you thought that you could. You are so wrong, you can't get more wrong. So, what doctrine are we talking about now? You should be able to figure that out, right? They urged. See, they believed that God had dumped the body. They didn't understand the crossing over. Find the portrait of Christ. This is the body resurrection doctrine of Jesus Christ, right? You shall not think like this. You will not search for the body. Okay. To think like this is to bring shame upon yourself. The body cannot be found. Do not shame yourself. What group or organization that visits Mike and Catherine's house and talks to Max thinks that the body has been dumped on a mountain or in a valley and has gone into corruption? That's what they think. That is shameful to think that way. They come to your doors They'll tell you they have 31 pages on their their website that says there is no resurrection of Christ. No body resurrection. It's shameful. The sons of the prophets, though, would not believe. They would not relent. And Elisha, ashamed of them, sent them. And they searched three days and did not find the body. And they came back to Elisha. Did I not say to you, do not go? Don't think this way. Don't run around looking for the body of Christ. Don't think that way. What are you saying about it when you do that? If you could find the body of Christ, what's wrong now? None of us are saved. There's no salvation. Don't think like this. Don't go. Didn't I tell you? Don't go. It went anyway. And now you know what the new bowl and the salt is all about, right? Right? See how it fits? I would like to answer it, but I'm out of time. So you're going to have to go to Ezekiel 47, 8 through 11. And there you'll find the new bowl and the salt and the water again. And in June the 9th, I'll fix it for you. But now you also, because you now know what the new bowl and the salt is all about, you know that we gotta have the two bears next. Makes perfect sense that we have the two bears next. The search for the body leads to the new bowl and the salt, which leads to the two female bears, killing 42 guys, soldiers. If you want to think of it this way, the search for the body equals the new bull and the salt equals the two female bears. You know that these guys are killed. Let's go back to number one. Why are they killed? They say, come down quickly. These guys say, go up, bald head. It's clear that the two female bears in judgment... Uh, there's this equivalence between the consuming fire and the two female bears. I'm repeating that, but I just make sure I got it. So the 50 men who are yelling bald head at Elisha are doing what the 50 men who were burned were doing. In other words, come down now is equal to go up, you bald head. They're the same thing. One gets you fire, the other gets you bears. The difference being that the only 42 were killed of the bald head screaming group. Both groups know that judgment comes to those who mock the doctrine of the body resurrection of Christ because that's what they're doing. And everybody, by the way, in the story, in both chapters, everybody knows the people screaming bald head know all about the fireballs. Everybody knew about the first fireball, including the second captain. The bald-head yellers knew about the first and the second fireballs and the third captain. They know all of it. There's no vacuum here. Everybody knows everything. And they knew why. The Hebrew words and the context. The context is clearly 50 soldiers. But the Hebrew words apply to men of 39 and below. Joseph is said to be called these same words in the Hebrew. He was 39. By the way, how old is uh, how old is uh, Elisha here? He's probably 30. He had 60, almost 70 years of ministry after this. Could have been 25. Not an old man, a young man, wearing a hairy garment with a leather belt that he got from Elisha. What's the obvious question now? Who, by the way, else do we know wore a hairy garment? That's right, John the Baptist. What's the obvious question? Where did Elisha get this garment? How many of them are there? Where did John the Baptist get it? Who did he give it to? Who's got it now? Why is it so special? That's fun. Those are some of the most fun questions I've ever done. Wish you had time. But anyway, everybody knew. A 25 year old man is not bald generally. He had, by the way, he's a devout Jew, right? He's wearing a skull cap, if you want to call it that. Uh, he has a head covering. He has to have a head covering. They couldn't tell if he was bald even if they wanted to. So what's bald head mean? Doesn't mean bald. Hmm? Well, we'll get to it in just a second. I'll probably, I, got, I got a chance to deal with Oh, page 13. I have four minutes to go. Again, the question is why only 42 of them dead? Eight were left alive. So what's the obvious question with those eight? Why were they left alive? What did they do? What did they say? Who did they say it to? Whose army are they employed by? They're in the balls above Army. That's where their paycheck is. i got eight survivors. I've, as soon as I read this, it's just like coaching basketball. I used to get all 60 kids out there. Said so had three teams on the first day of practice. I usually had more than that. I'd say, okay, you may not think I'm tough enough to be coach, and a bunch of you are thinking to yourselves right now, if we attack him, we can take him if we all stick together. I said, so? I'm ready for you, because it happens every year. I'll let you know that I'll let eight survive. Eight of you will live. The rest of you won't. So I have eight survivors for witnesses. They're balls above worshipers. See Kings 1, right? And First Kings chapter 1. And they were left to go testify. Elijah is not bald. Why did they say, go up, you bald head? Well, I'll give you one really quick clue. Bald head in the Bible is a, is equivalent, if you will, to leprosy. It's the same as saying, Elisha has leprosy. You have leprosy. You're unclean. They're not afraid of Elisha. They think he's dying of leprosy. That's what they're saying. And if you're so powerful, let's see that whirlwind thingy. We see that consuming fire. We don't think you got it. We don't think the answer to the question, where is the God of Elijah, is he's on, uh, he's with Elisha. We, we don't think so. We don't see anything that bothers us. We're not afraid of you. So the question becomes, where is the fear of God for these people? Why aren't they afraid? Why aren't the mockers of God afraid? Why are the bears female? Why are the two of them? What is the 42 all about? Where else do I find 42? I find 42 with the Antichrist. Because he has the second half of the tribulation, the great tribulation it's called, where he's out killing Jews three and a half years. What does he have to do with this? I'll leave you with this. I'll fix it all in two weeks. I'm out of time today. But 1 Corinthians 15 says this essentially that without the body resurrection of Christ there is no gospel, there is no salvation, there is no hope. The bald head, the bears, the water, the bowl, the salt, the hunt for the body of Elisha, sorry, uh the king, uh the death of the king, the fifty men, the captains, the fire consuming all of that is about the doctrine of the body resurrection of Christ that's what it is without the body resurrection there's consuming fire and two bears let's rise and be dismissed